0: Really, really work on your relationships with your team. Make yourself an open book that everybody feels like they can come to you and discuss. And that gets back to a comment that you made that I don't think that we hammered home enough, which is the grievance policy. If someone feels uncomfortable or something feels off, whether it's a teacher or a staff member or a parent, you want to have that culture in your company of open channels of communication are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable well-organized and mission-driven company well i'm nate shaw co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory.
1: And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school.
0: So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school.
1: Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined once again by Stephanie for our Ask an Attorney series. And today, we're dealing with something a little bit more serious. And uh, we want to dive into how to protect a studio, um, how to protect the owners of the studio um, in delicate situations where accusations have come up um, around different topics. And I'm being a little delicate here um, because... I think this is a weightier, more serious issue. And even right now I can think of a studio where an accusation was made of inappropriate conduct um, uh, of a, uh, of an employee of that studio. So we brought Stephanie on because we'd like
0: to uh, just get your perspectives. So Stephanie, love having you back on. Thanks again for joining us as always. Um, I kind of want to open with just a really general question and just hoping to get kind of a 10,000 foot, answer on this, which is just like, um, can you describe like some of the most important liability issues that we as owners of a studio that have employees that have teachers, whether they're contractors or W2 doesn't matter in my mind, but for as employers, what are the most important liability issues that we should just be aware of out of the gate? Um, Cause that's, I think we got to just start there. Like, cause I know as an owner, mm-hmm. Stephanie, I'll just say this. I wasn't even aware that I needed to be aware, <laughs> you know, 13 years ago that, that, that there was even that I was liable for things. I was just a guy with a curriculum psyched to start helping students. So let's start there if we could.
2: Right. And Um, I think you bring up a really good point that you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of entrepreneurs are just excited to dive in and and get going with their business. But it's extremely important to consult uh, important advisors in the arena. I think we talked a little bit about it um, last time we spoke. But uh, as business owners, you definitely need to develop a team of trusted advisors, which should include uh, an attorney. A banker, an insurance agent, and a CPA. And as it relates to liability, each of those advisors will be able to provide a perspective on different liabilities that you should be aware of. Um, Specifically, when it comes to the topic at hand today, uh, the different liabilities include discrimination claims in terms of hiring, firing, promotions. Uh, And then also harassment claims. And that can be harassment of employees by other employees, uh, customers by your employees, or harassment from an owner um, to an employee. And so those are kind of the bigger, uh, bigger topics and bigger liabilities that you would want to consult your advisors with to protect yourself um, as much as you can against those liabilities. But the fact of the matter is, if you're in business long enough, you're likely going to see one of these claims come up, um, whether or not they have merit. It's just uh, a fact of business um, because unfortunately, we can't make everybody happy all the time
0: you know um i'm going to i'm going to recap a couple things here stephanie cuz that was there was just so much gold in that comment right there i'm going to start with our four key players on the team and 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 let's just say this out loud daniel it's okay for a lot of our listeners who are like wait what i'm supposed to know my banker i'm supposed to have a cpa that i trust it's all right if we're not there yet stephanie what you're saying is like here's what we're aspirationally let's get this team together As we build Mm -hmm. our business, but you said banker, attorney, CPA, insurance agent. Mm Bam, that's a four-point list, everybody. If you're listening, write that down now. Put it on a sticky note and ask yourself, who do you have on your team so far? Now I wanna go, I wanna, I wanna talk now. We're focusing today on that attorney, the opportunity to have a trusted relationship with your attorney and how that can really benefit us as an owner. To be able to have those conversations in advance of what you're describing, mm-hmm. Stephanie, in advance of that situation where you're just like, wait, who do I turn to develop mm-hmm. the relationship with the attorney now so you can actually ask the questions before they even happen. So let, let's describe. Can I recap the what I heard and tell me what I missed here, but the sort of um, different areas that you're talking about um, having these conversations with your attorneys. First of all, it's just around hiring, firing, and promoting employees within your small business. So mm-hmm. understanding that there actually is a system to um, hiring correctly and there should there, there's a system to legally protect us around firing correctly. Mm-hmm. And Stephanie to your comment before, um, it's so important and Daniel and I have have done a couple of really, I think really good episodes on on how to unhire someone as we put it. But really, you do want to have a very clear system that is uh, maybe specific to your state, right, around how to let someone go if it's not a good fit. Um, I, I, so actually, let's let's no. then let me finish my recap. And then the second category you're saying is around essentially harassment, like it's like a or discrimination, that kind of thing, which is like um, it could be employee to employee. You could have two employees that have issues. It could be employer to employee. It could be me as an owner having an issue or doing something inappropriate with an employee. It could be um, an employee to an employer. It could be an employee acting inappropriately to me as an owner. So that's the third sort of um, relationship there we have to be mindful of. And then the final one you said is an employee to a customer. You could get a customer that complains about some, mm-hmm. some, some inappropriate experience with one of your employees. Am I leaving anybody out that any of those relationships we have to be mindful of?
2: Well, and there's one more uh, which doesn't come up very often, but does come up every once in a while. And that's actually when a customer is harassing your employees.
0: Yes. Okay, good. And and we've had that actually at DMF before. We've had an issue. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a fascinating one. Um, let's focus for now on me as an owner, right? Just understanding how to sort of, like I say, protect myself. I don't know what the right term is. Actually just become aware of all the scenarios and how to put myself in the best situation to be able to address any one of them. Um, So maybe where do you want to start, Stephanie, in terms of just like, uh, because I always like the question of like, Daniel and I always say like, what can someone listening do right now beyond find that relationship with an attorney to begin to better understand the pieces they need to put in place to be protected or be um, uh, in the best position possible to handle a situation that that's uncomfortable.
2: Right. So the, one of the most important things which can be difficult, particularly for small owners is documentation um, and is making sure that you have clear policies at the outset in terms of what your uh, harassment policy is. it's typically referred to as uh, anti-harassment. Mm-hmm. All your employees know uh, your your customers know you know that this type of behavior is not tolerated at the business. Uh, and then in terms of um, complaints, you know it's important that your employees, no, and you have a documented kind of grievance policy such that you know if you become aware of this behavior or you're uh feel uncomfortable because of behavior of an empo- another employee or a customer, like here's the complaint process that you should follow, and all of those items should be documented um you know at the start, when you're a small business, you likely don't have an HR person. The owner is probably your human resources person. Um, so it can be easy to forget that it's important either to have another witness you know, in the room or get permission to record the conversation or take notes and send a follow-up email. Something like, you know, we spoke today. This is what we spoke about please let me know if I misunderstood anything that was said. Um, because what you're doing is you're creating a paper trail in the event anything escalates and you do need to kind of go back and see what, what happened. And it's more than just he said, she said, to a certain degree. Um, I mean, obviously the notes are, are your perspective on what was said, but um, it's better than you know trying to recall a conversation a year later without, um, any documented reference. So that's one thing employ- employers can do right now.
1: Let me ask a question about yeah. something you said there, because you said you, you want to have this document, you want to have this anti-harassment policy, um, to be known, um, in working with studios over the, studio owners over the years, I've, Given advice, um, not around a legal thing. I've given advice around, hey, be careful what you, uh, how you introduce who mm-hmm. your studio is to mm-hmm. your prospective clients. And I've even said things like, you know, don't put your policies right out front on your marketing website. Like, wait till they, mm-hmm. they at least show they're interested in joining your studio before you start. How how would you? recommend revealing like an anti-harassment policy to someone in the studio when that's something we really don't want parents right. thinking about when they're thinking about dropping their kids off right. at our studio, you know? So um, what, what do you think would be the best way to introduce so something in like that? In terms
2: of um, an anti-harassment policy, typically that would be like in an employee handbook or at your place of business, okay. you know, if, if there are any State required or federal required notices like being an equal opportunity employer or that kind of thing that has to be posted at your place of business, um, that could be a good place to post the anti harassment uh, policy. And then if people have, you know, like um, a client handbook or a customer packet of information or something. It might be a place to put put okay. it in there, like when they sign up and agree to um, sign enroll their child for classes. You know, if there's certain things that they have to agree to, just having the anti harassment policy in there, um, because they also have to abide by that policy, right? That you don't want the um, parents or mm-hmm. the uh, customers. I mean, their children, um, but doesn't mean they can't, I guess, engage in certain behaviors that would. Um, fall under that but you know you want them to abide by your policies as well because that's protecting your employ- your employees.
1: Then I think I have a follow-up question to that and this is a little bit more real world and I think it goes to what Nate was asking earlier as an owner what could you do to protect yourself the studio um, you know the students in the studio uh, there is a situation I became aware of where a parent came to the studio owner And said that our child said this conduct happened between one of your teachers Mm -hmm. and our child. They hadn't gone to the police. Um, I'm curious, as a studio owner, what, or I'm sorry, as an attorney, what advice would you give to a studio owner and how to handle that situation? That's a very sticky situation. The parents were saying, we don't want to get the police involved, um, but this happened. That's a, that's a tough situation. What, what, how would you respond to um, that? Um,
2: you know, just based on the hypothetical that you've given, it's extremely difficult to uh, provide advice on that because it would definitely depend on the severity of Mm. the conduct. Um, you know, number one Mm. thing that, that owner should do is call their attorney in that situation. Whenever there is, um, an allegation that inappropriate conduct occurred between uh, an employee and a client, particularly if the client is a minor, you need to get your attorney involved right away. Um, You also potentially need to um, refer to your insurance policies because you may have some coverage um, for employer practices liability, potentially um, and under those insurance policies, you have to notify them of any potential claims within a certain time period um, for that coverage to kick in. So there's a few steps that somebody should take in that situation. But I cannot give you specific you know, advice on that. Um,
1: right. Then let me ask one other follow-up question. Obviously, mm-hmm. those situations are very volatile. Um, there's a lot of each one each situation like this would be unique for the best outcome possible what would what should the studio owner have done prior to any situation happening that would set them up to most protect themselves and the studio from liability of the conduct of an employee beforehand other than the inner harassment policy that you'd um
0: indicated
2: briefly um Mentioned, you know, there may be certain insurance coverages that can help from the cost perspective. Um, so, definitely talking to your insurance agent about that. Um, but, in terms of doing what you can to set yourself up in the best possible situation when it comes to um, the situation you just described, is really having a good screening and hiring process to know who you are Hmm. uh, hiring and putting in the classroom with
1: your students. Interesting. So in other words, and then Nate, I want to bounce it over to you. So in other words, um, it's not an option to to forego background checks when you're hiring someone, things of that Mm -hmm. nature, just like basic, basic common sense, um, Which again, you know, we call it common sense, but there are studios that don't, I I, I mean, I know that there are studios out there that have not run background checks. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And We look forward to answering your questions.
0: Stephanie, is there, I'm sure that we found like a cut and paste to start. At BMF, mm-hmm. I can't tell you exactly where, how, or who did it, but I promise you, we were looking somewhere for a simple starting point, and then we were revising with our own language around that to make it look and feel like BMF. Is there somewhere people can start to just like a free resource where they can just go and be like, okay, I can at least have a template for an employee handbook?
2: Well, <laughs> excuse me. I'm sure there there are lots of resources. Online, you know, that you could Google and find. However, uh, I think a better way to go is there are lots of companies or consulting companies out there that provide these types of services and likely can provide it for relatively uh, inexpensive um, amounts. But I think that, again, you've got to view it as an investment. in the future of your of your business, and while it can be difficult to you know pay five hundred dollars or whatever the cost may be for somebody to put your employee handbook together or to purchase a template or or whatnot, having the uh, comfort of knowing that it came from a human resources company or a consultant who regularly works in the industry is important. I think to help set somebody up. Um, to be in the best possible position, um, attorneys can can write the employee handbook as well, but from a cost efficient perspective, um, it's probably not necessarily a route that somebody just starting out would be able to do. So I would recommend looking at some human resource consulting um, companies that provide those services.
0: I love that. I just literally googled Gusto is who is that's our virtual HR service we use that does our payroll and they help with making sure that we meet all of our tax obligations, mm-hmm. and other things. And I did a quick Google, just Gusto employee handbook. And the first thing that comes up is the ultimate employee handbook guide. <laughs> that's like a downloadable resource from Gusto. So that's such an awesome um, advice piece of advice, which is great because you frame it in ways that make sense to us. Number one, we're like, hey, we need to be efficient with our budget. Don't go to your attorney and be like, let's write this thing together because you're going to find yourself, you know, many thousands of dollars in the hole asking for their time on something where instead you can start in a more efficient way by finding, um, you know, another resource that will be more affordable. And then I think from there, you can go back to your attorney, right, and say, hey, I (laughs) proposed this thing. Would you, can I, can I, can I ask for, you know, can I buy an hour of your time to review the thing and just highlight Mm -hmm. some areas?
2: I'm glad you went back to that because I was going to go back and clarify that after it is complete, you definitely should uh, contact your attorney and say, hey, listen, we've just put together this employee handbook. Would you mind taking a look and making sure that it's in compliance with any um, state, or federal regulations that we should be aware of, and that way they're not um, writing the whole thing from scratch. They would be reviewing it, and they may have some changes um, based on, you know, state or local laws. That some someone like a human resources company, there's maybe more. Uh, standard. There may be some specific things that need to be added based on your jurisdiction. So, definitely uh, recommend having your attorney review it. But there may be a more cost-efficient way to start out uh, as opposed to having an attorney draft the whole thing.
0: I love it. Okay, I have a follow-up question. I'm going to ping it back to you, Daniel. See where your where your heads at on this. You mentioned documentation, and I first wanted to give a couple of little hacks that BMF has learned to do over the years. First of all, we do everything in G Suite. So it's all Gmail and, you know, G Docs and G Drives and G blah, blah, blah. And so <laughs> the very first thing that happens whenever we're even considering a new hire, is we create a folder for them. So we just have hundreds and hundreds of folders for potential employees. And that begins that process of documentation. So anytime something comes up, For example, maybe they communicate inappropriately in Slack to, to, you know, our uh, director, or maybe we get an email complaint from a parent around some experience that they had in the classroom. We'll just do a screenshot and drop it into the folder. And it's not, again, it's not to be like, hey, it's not like this big brother thing. It's just, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like, if down the line, we ever need to have a conversation Then we're not relying on our memory. Mm -hmm. Right. And so uh, it brings up a couple of little uh, key points here. This is why you have a company email address that your employees use, right? Because you want everybody to be communicating in your actual business channel. Mm -hmm. This is why a tool like Slack is so valuable to actually spend the money on, right? Rather than just use the free service, because you can hit then. Research all of the historical communication, which we've actually had to do a few times. We've had to go back to like, you know, 2019 and take a look at what the conversation between two people and be like, wait, is that actually, did we really say that? Or is that selective memory? And go back to that conversation because we're all super busy. And that tool is a, a tool like Slack is built specifically to help you. Do the research if and when you need it. Right, um, Stephanie. Anything you want to add on to that? Thoughts in terms of other ways that you can quickly and simply document um, and sort of organize around these things. Is there any any additional thoughts before we ping back to Daniel?
2: No, I. Um, I guess the only thing that that I would add in terms of classrooms, and I know everybody has a different opinion on this, but I know. In recent um, years, it's become more popular, but having um, those classes live streamed um, for parents to be able to watch, um, but that also gives you another avenue because most of those services, when something is live streamed, you can also have a recording of it. So you can have a recording as to what happened uh, in the classroom, because as an owner, Or if you have a manager at your facility, you know, they're only one person. They can't be in every classroom if you have multiple classrooms. And so being able to have that documented um, can end up being very helpful. If something um, comes up in the future, an allegation of of some sort, you can go back and actually take a look.
0: Yeah, that's. Hmm. Go ahead. I think Um,
1: I was just going to say. I think that's a good note on which to maybe summarize and and kind of go into the close here on this episode. Um the punch list as we've been talking over the last, you know, 25 minutes or so. The punch list of of things that student owners need to be aware of, keep in mind is no matter what if there's any kind of accusation from any of these parties to another one, yeah. call your attorney first. Um, make sure that you have some sort of written policy that you've run past your attorney um, on the record that you've given to all parties involved with your studio uh, document everything. If you're ever in a conversation that you think could have any potentially probative value in the future, you should be recording that and making sure all parties present know it's being recorded. Um, a, a, and a good rule of thumb for any studio with a commercial location uh, and this has saved a couple people I know is having that surveillance system kind of in place where things are actually being recorded. Um, have, have we missed anything in the recap here? Um, was there anything else that we said from, from, uh, from the past, you know, half hour that, that I'm forgetting. Mm. Anybody to
0: Daphne, do you hear anything?
2: No, I don't think so. I think that was a, that was a pretty good summary of what we discussed and, and as Nate said earlier, it's, it's not from a big brother perspective, but it is very important because a lot of times in these cases, if it gets that far down the road, it is a, a matter of one person says this thing happened, whereas another person said, no, it didn't. This is how it happened. And so that documentation can really make or break a case depending on what's there. And so I just can't Overstress the importance of it, and it's something very easy that you can um, put in place right now without too much cost.
1: Wow, I really hope whoever's listening to this will let those words ring in their ear because this could save people um, a lot of trouble in the future to know that that needs to happen and that it's not overkill uh, or. A useless action, that they really should be doing those sorts of things. And the other thing I think we kind of picked up from this is that, you know, we did kind of focus on the owner's perspective here, but the same thing would be true. Everything I just said in that punch list a minute ago, the same thing would be true when it comes to mm-hmm. trying to protect your employee. Um, th- there's, really, there's really nothing else that, that we can do except have this documentation in place and, and just make sure that we've notified all parties of what the standards are in the studio, that's really the way to to protect the employee as well.
0: Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you wanna know how? Because we ask them and they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now, I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please, share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.